0: This is the PropTech VC podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC,
1: Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Yeah, I mean, think about it, information is key. How else are you supposed to get this information out there? Are you supposed to have like a, Craigslist, right? Just mm. long, long sections, and you know, you've got state by state, and then you click, and then, I mean, that's not efficient, right? The best thing to do is just to zoom in and, and get it right there. GIS is a transformative technology, um, but it, it it's one of these technologies that's so enduring and isn't thought of by most people, it's something no one hears about because it's a back-end technology. It's like, you know, Intel or AMD is powering your chips and your computer. You've heard of you, Actually, you even heard, you've heard of those guys. You haven't even heard of GIS. You know, most people don't know what GIS is, but it's one of the technologies that's so transformational and still holds so much promise because of the fact that data is sitting in silos everywhere. It's a beautiful thing, and all you really need is um, lat- long coordinates, right? X and Y coordinates, um, and you can overlay them on a map. And it's beautiful because then you you know you have a new way of presenting something. Um, so as we're talking Absolutely. about, yeah, and
0: um, and, and you're going to see it come into even you're seeing it come into more of the forefront with this inter- with obviously the the boom of Internet of Things and now that like we're going to have lot lap- long on everything and as you you're seeing with, with transactions. I was just driving the other day and you can see that you know a lot of that data set where. That location-based data, that where you see you can see your Amazon package, it's because that Amazon vehicle has that geo, geo the coordinates on that um, and the Latin line can tell you where that package is. So It boils down to that level of how useful it is.
1: Now, as we're speaking about technology, tell us a bit about how does a company like yours get access to this data if it's sitting in spreadsheets and uh, or PDFs, right? I mean, I, I sort of. I kind of know the answer here, but just uh, let's sort of play with the idea. You saw a problem, right? Yes. And it's daunting to realize you're going to have to go through all these PDFs. And so you use technology. How do you use technology to to do this, to capture this information?
0: Yeah, so and it was kind of, you know, what we what we had previously, what I'd previously done in Australia, as I pointed out earlier, um, you know, a lot of that data, we were able to just go to the state and get it and then do the, the sort of display and the visual and, and make, deliver it and, and, and make it visually appealing in the UI and, and focus on that and also the Analysis of that data and, and give tools to our users to do that. Um, when we looked at the U.S. problem, uh, we came along. And go, well, we're, we're going to have to start from square one. There is no place to be able to just get this data in one place, also in the format that that we need it. So um, there's there's two levels of it. One is how we collect um, the map-based data, um, and that um, is utilizing um, various sort of OCR um, sort of Sort of OCR technology to be able to do that. Um, it's it's a little bit further now and AI. And
1: OCR optical character recognition.
0: Yes, but it, it's a little bit um, you know there's not really a, a great word for it. Um, we're sort of we were in new territory for it because there's not so much character recognition. It's a lot of it's vector and raster and, and and lines on a map and 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 so it's it's not that. It's not, ex- but that's the closest thing that we're kinda, we kind we of had to go off. Um, and then from the, the so that's one part of the data set, which is the map based data set. And then the second part of the data set, which is basically a, a zoning, a, a municipal code ordinance, which is these wordy legal documents that are a thousand page long. Half of it means nothing. You know, if you're looking up your property which is a particular zone the majority of the text in there is of no interest to you and even the text that might relate to your zone half of it's not of interest to you so it's it's really um, you know a tackling that with AI as as, as as a problem and that's how how we went about it
1: yeah and and um, it, it's definitely a big daunting challenge what you're taking on because there is a lot of integration required. Uh, I mean, just to sort of rewind for a second, what we're talking about here is companies like Zonomics. How do they get all this data? It's pretty much what Google does. It's like um, Google has these robots that go around the web and they get all this information and they make it relevant to you. Well, companies like Zonomics are using similar technologies um, where they'll create a way to automatically create. You could think of it as a robot. There's actual technologies involved here. called scraping technologies, right? So so one thing is, you know, they can scrape websites, they can go in and they can, you know, automatically make sure they download documents. And, and it's a daunting task because um, there isn't a global language being used here, like Google, if you want to rank well in Google, right? And you want to play, and you have to play, because if you don't play, then you're not going to rank on Google. So you have to play by the rules of Google, right? People will redesign their website and make it very SEO friendly. That doesn't really exist in the world that companies like Xonomics are pioneering because um, data's sitting in, in PDFs and it's in disparate places. And, and also, you know, when something's updated, uh, that's another headache. I mean, when, when you get to a scale like Xonomics, and, and Matthew, please tell us sort of about the scale you guys are at, but I imagine it's very challenging when information is constantly being updated. And oh, yeah. no one's calling you and saying, Matthew, just to let you know, I work at the, you know, the, the, at the county's office, and we, we just updated the slight modification in this little zip code. I mean, wow, you, your phones will be off the hook, right, once you get. Yes, that I
0: mean, yeah, that paints like something that we tackle with every day is like. Um, and, yeah, cities like, you know, it depends on how active the city are. But there you've got cities like Los Angeles and New York where they're updating their zoning map monthly, weekly basis. Um, and, you know, obviously they're, they're kind of the easier ones to look after, but it's more the it's even more the, the smaller ones that are, like, the, the more challenging. And um, you're right, so it's updating it. It's also uh, categorizing it. And we also have a unique problem um, from both... A data point of view and a real estate point of view is um, one. We're creating this sort of standardized, um, like this one place to get this data, but there's only so far we can actually, um, you know, there's, we we can standardize and categorize. Um, we can't go too far with our standardization and our categorization. Or even if, when we do, we have to be able to make sure it connects back to the um, source information. To give you an example, an R1 zone, and I, I sort we talked discussed it, or even to the point where a multi a dwelling isn't defined the same. An R1 zone, or what we would call a single family zone in Los Angeles, um, um, or sort of you know San Diego, is not the same as a single family zone in um, in Portland so um it's 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 you have to and one if you try to standardize it too much and categorize it too much it actually becomes useless to um a investor or a developer because if we go to you and you just you know for certain it, it's it's useful looking at things from a macro and being able to see it like for like but when if you're going and making a decision about that about that specific property and we're telling you that it's just single family the same as how you should categorize single family anywhere in america we're doing you a Service, and we're not providing you with the information that you need because, for example, in single-family in Portland, short-term rental may be permitted. In single-family in San Diego, short-term rental may be prohibited. So, as you can see, Um, you have to be able to keep making sure that the data connects back to what it is at the original source um, and and with that standardization.
1: And the challenge of classification is is puzzling because in some ways, if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Okay, but (laughs) that doesn't apply here because buildings have a cutoff at some arbitrary point. How many square feet is something, you know, a one-bedroom, two-bedroom, three-bedroom potential, Uh, you know, how much of a size of a lot does something need to be, Um, there's, you know, so many, so many areas that are open to uh, interpretation. And if you're leaving that to a machine or AI, it's very difficult because then, you know, you're trying to classify. So um, it it certainly is is a meaty challenge.
0: And you've hit something now, we've had to really work hard with our AIs to like get it up, like help it through this process of even just the way a code, you know, some codes will say minimum lot area and some will just put a Min lot area, or they just might say minimum lot. And for a human, if you, I'm an urban planner, and I go and look up that code, I can instantly make that decision in my head. Okay, yeah, you know, just because in San Diego they say minimum lot area, and in, um, and in Portland they say minimum lot, and then they use the little symbol there. I can, you know, I can make that decision. The computer teaching the computer that is was a is a challenge and was a challenge.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And even if you want to try to determine value, I mean, one metric we use in real estate to the horror of agents is price per square feet. Okay. I was obsessed when I was, you know, I wasn't in real estate at this point, I was running my, my startup. But when I was looking at rentals, when I was looking at buying places, um, I would often be looking at, well, okay, hold on, H- how many square feet? And what's the price? Oh, okay, so this works out to X dollars per square feet. And I'd look at the agent's eyes and she or he would have horror. Like, that's not the way to do this. You've you've got to buy something that, you know, you have emotional connection to and is right for you. And I'm like, whatever, they just want the sale. I'm going to be very pragmatic. But, but the fact is you can't look at square feet alone as a metric. I mean, I'll give you an example, right? You go to a 2,000 square foot home and another 2,000 square foot home. Well, I've been, by the way, I've been in some homes and the agent said to me, oh, you know, it says 2000 square feet, but there's this extra like 600 square feet that's not on the record, or there's this extra room that was done, you know, without code, but you know, you're actually getting a bigger place. Or you're getting a bigger garden and that's not factored in the square feet, but also usability. How much of the square feet is usable, right? And how much of the square foot is occupied by like Unusable space because you've got stairways and you've got a really funky layout. I live in San Francisco, by the way, so here you've got very funky layouts. You've got yep. old Victorian homes. I don't live in an old Victorian home. I'm in the you know financial area where there's you know more modern contemporary, which is my style. But San Francisco has a charm and it has these uh, Victorian homes, multi-level, condensed like this, but big like this. You know, in a square feet, this way is very different to a square feet, you know, the, the other way where it's not upwards, but it's sideways. Um, <laughs> horizontal versus vertical rather. So even land, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at this. There's like acres and acres of land here. Well, hold on, some of this land isn't flat. <laughs> some of this land is is you know on a hill that's unusable and you'll never bring any pipes through there. And the other thing is, this is a protected area, possibly. Some of this might be protected area and you can't do anything with it. So this is why simple metric like square feet is so difficult. And yep. it's a challenge when you're in prop tech as, as a founder like yourself. And you're like, well, oh, yep. small problem. How, how, do I, how do I teach this to a machine?
0: Yeah, it's it, absolutely I and mean, then you've just hit on a, a huge problem there like um and if you can find a prop tech we'd like to talk to them to, as as for to help us uh, solve some of our clients problems but you know even as you said, pointed out that illustration of a a, 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 a rezoning and a, a new lot land release or subdivision um if you can get is there certain jurisdictions that it will change whether you have on sites. Um, delivery of sewage or energy or, or some sort of services is actually delivered or it's not there, um, then you can actually do um, more dense development depending on the delivery there. And we've actually had a lot of requests for um, where, is there a, de- a national is, is there a national database for where, um, you know, sewerage and, and water supply and electricity supply and telecommunication supply is provided? And, and, and they, the next question is, do we do that? And so we're, we're having a, a good enough challenge Dealing with zoning, um, you know. So if you, hopefully, you can find a prop tech out there that's uh, looking at that that problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is a very exciting time to be in prop tech. Uh, yep. Zonomics is an example of a startup that really is addressing a critical problem, and is creating the uh, is paving the way forwards, right? For where the industry is going to go, it's sort of like building a highway where cars are going to flow. If you get this zoning data and you get it in the hands of consumers and you make this information that was once put all over the place, transparent, you're going to change the pricing of real estate. So why I'm also very excited about real estate too, that real estate um, does go up in value. Inflation is more real than it's ever as of now. And, you know, mid 2021 probably listened to this podcast in 2026 saying damn you know he was right prices you know inflation's crazy right but real estate does go up and we're living in extraordinary times and as as information becomes more transparent this is this is one of those technologies where i really think fast forward in the future and you believe that There's so much quantitative trading going on in the stock markets. If you want quantitative trading to be going on in real estate, information like this is gonna be critical to allow that to happen. Because for sure, years from now, maybe decades from now, everything will be bought on a real-time basis. Fractional shares of real estate will trade hands very quickly and easily. You know, machines can look at a plot of land and quickly assess potential value. It, it It will sound obvious to you, like it sounds obvious to you that hedge funds are able to make, you know, massive moves in stock markets and institutions are so powerful. This is coming to real estate. It's only a matter of time for this to come and for this future to be in existent. We need companies that are really building the infrastructure layer.
0: Absolutely and, and you know there's as you said there's so many good prop techs out there that are doing that you know we're tackling this own issue and there are some there are others that are kind of, kind of doing different things with that um, particularly from an AEC point of view and, and that's part of actually Our our business model is we look to partner with, um, you know, because zoning is so universal in the way um, that it affects so many different parts of real estate. We know we can't specialize in in everything um, when it comes to zoning. So we want to basically be that base provider of zoning information and be able to, through our API, empower a lot of these new prop techs that are already there are coming to be able to build weird and wonderful things from depending on the AEC space or whether it be communication space is, that's that's where we see uh, we like to lots of partners that we're utilizing our data set to build amazing things for um, from a tech point of view. Yeah,
1: and the, the API side is is very interesting. And um, what an API allows is other companies to access that data that you control and have. Um, so they can access that data just writing a few lines of code, and boom, they get that information information you've worked really hard to compile and collect. Um, you know, and also this is something about having focus as a founder, right? Doing something that doesn't seem sexy can be extremely rewarding if that's what you do and you do it really well. The boring thing, you know, the zoning stuff, right? Who wants to deal with that? Well, if you make that your core focus, you don't get distracted by all these bells and whistles and building, you know, um, other products for other verticals and you just focus on solving this one key problem. I mean, wow, you know, this is, this is a big problem. Yeah,
0: and that was that was a challenge for me that really I had to, um, as, as a founder, had to really come to grasp with. I couldn't do everything from a point of view, like I couldn't build the best um 3d building scenario building envelope solution um or i couldn't go out and i also couldn't go out and do do this because you can't do it all um what we had to learn was hey it's okay you get we're the best at this we understand zoning we understand the data we understand the information we also understand what the use cases are for it but we understand that there's lots of other founders out there lots of other smart companies out there that can take our data and, and for that particular use case, take it all the way to its fruition. Um, and we can focus on what we continue to and continue to also
1: empower those companies. So, Matthew, we've got a wide range of listeners, many entrepreneurs as well as people in real estate and you know, interested in moving into PropTech. How can people reach you?
0: Uh, Yeah, the easiest way to reach me is via um, email. Um, They can reach me at um, matthew.player at zonomics.com. That last name is sometimes a little confusing. So if you just put info at zonomics.com and CC, they'll make sure it gets through to me. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me um, is via my email.
1: Matthew Player, thank you so much for coming on today's PropTech VC podcast. Thanks for having me. It was great.